Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast, episode number 86, True Self-Care. My name is Jesse Ellertson, and I am a certified life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to improve the experience that they are having in the process. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you are in the right place. Hello, everyone. Today, we are talking about self-care. So I recently wrote a blog post for the Brave Crate blog. For those of you that don't know, Brave Crate is an awesome military deployment countdown subscription box that I work for. Go check them out at bravecrates.com. And the topic of the blog post was true self-care, meaning there's so many awesome things that we do to take care of ourselves in the action line of our model when it comes to self-care. But the part that we're often neglecting is the way that we're thinking and feeling about ourselves. And that's to me what true self-care is. And I realized that I have so much to say on this topic and that I haven't ever talked about it on the podcast. So I thought time to do an episode. So I first just want to discuss kind of this topic in general and in, in a little bit of a broader way. And then as always, discuss some examples. And then at the end, I'm going to read to you the blog post that I just wrote, which is so funny to me because I was talking to my husband about, you know, getting a few blog posts written. And he said, I don't like reading blogs. I want someone to just read them to me because we're so in this world of like audiobooks and you know listening to podcasts. And it just made me smile. And I thought I could read blog posts on my podcast. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to literally do that for you today. So you'll see. Okay. So to me, self-care is really about being with yourself. It's about your brain being a safe place. And it's about having your own back. We tend to really focus on the actions that we take when it comes to self-care. And while those are rewarding and enjoyable and can be very healing and productive, it's always more than what's going on in the action line, as we know, now that we are mind managers. So there's a couple of important questions that I want you to ask as you begin to understand what self-care means to you and what you want it to mean. And first start by asking yourself, what is the purpose of self-care for you? I have come to learn that it is a thread that runs through everything, everything that we do. There's basically a component of self-care in everything that we do. Another question to ask yourself is why do you want to take care of your mind and your body? How do you feel when you're taking good care of yourself? How do you want to feel when you're taking good care of yourself? It's important to know that self-care is different from person to person and even different from season to season. And I don't mean weather seasons, I mean seasons of your life. Earlier, I talked about having your own back. And I want to just add my definition of that here because we use that phrase in coaching. And I want to just tell you what that means to me. Having your own back means doing what's best for you, being actually kind to yourself versus like indulgent. Sometimes we think when we're being kind to ourselves that we're just going to let ourselves do whatever we want. But the way we be truly kind to ourselves is by doing what's best for us in the big picture. And then the second piece to having your own back is being kind to yourself and taking good care of yourself even when you don't do what's best for you. And that part is even more important, I think. So the reason why the actions are never enough when it comes to self-care, again, I am not taking away from the actions that you do for self-care. I just want to say that it's it's always going to be that frosting on top. And the reason why it's never enough is because what we're trying to do is we're trying to use it to create a feeling. When we start with the action line and when we focus on the action line for what's what for what makes up our self-care, 
we're trying to take action in order to feel better, in order to create a feeling. And when we know the model like we do, the action line comes after the feeling line. So we create the feeling that we're wanting to create. And you're going to want to ask yourself, when I take these self-care actions, what is the feeling I'm trying to create? And then flip it around and start creating that first with your thoughts. Your thoughts create your feelings. And then you take action from those feelings. And that's the order that we need to get it in in order for it to be very sustainable instead of chasing something. So a lot of times people will ask, you know, am I doing enough self-care? Am I taking, you know, am I taking care of myself enough? And there is no one right answer to that. That's just what you decide. You decide what, again, how you want to feel and how you create it. And if it's enough for you, what it is that you're doing. And I would recommend that you give yourself permission to always believe that it's enough. Even if you want to do more and improve it and take more action, start by saying what I'm doing right now is enough and I'm working on improving it or doing more. To me, self-care is about taking care of yourself on all fronts, physical, spiritual, mental, emotional. When we, if we start to look at the way we're pursuing our self-care right now, uh, a lot of the clients that I work with and in myself, I tend to be highly motivated by just needing a break. And my self-care actions are often giving me that break, right? So it's a break from my brain, a break from my kids, a break from housework, a break from, you know, whatever it is I'm needing a break from. And there's nothing wrong with wanting a break, but it's interesting to know, like, what will giving yourself a break give you? Why do you need a break? What is it that you're not taking care of in the middle of all your responsibilities that you're needing that break from? If we're taking care of our relationship with ourself a little bit more amidst all of our responsibilities, then we're not going to burn out and need that big break quite as much. I want to share a little story here. I've shared this on the podcast before, I believe. I'm not sure which episode, but I really vividly remember that when I had, when all of my kids were small, I would dream about breaks all the time. And part of it was because I wasn't taking very good care of myself from day to day. And I would think, oh, if I could just get a break, if I could just go on a little trip or a little girl's night or a little, just anything to get away, then I could come back from that break and that, or that trip or whatever it was. And I would be all filled up by that break that I got. And then I would be able to be a better mom because I would, whenever I would be at my wits end or lose my patience with my kids or just be so tired, I would think, oh, if I could just get a break, if I could just get a little more sleep. Then I'm going to come back and be patient and kind and understanding and intentional and all of these things. I thought that's what the break would give me. And I just had all of that a little bit mixed up. There's nothing wrong that that's what I wanted and that's what I thought it would give me. But I love that now I understand the concept of taking care of myself all along the way, giving myself little breaks all along the way and creating the feeling. I was so desperate for a feeling that I thought that my action line was going to give me. I thought the break, taking the break or getting away for the girls night or whatever is in your action line. And I thought that was going to create me feeling more love for myself or patience for my kids or those kinds of feelings that I was desperate for. But then we, that doesn't work. And here's how we know that <laughs> when I would come back from that break, whatever way I was able to give it to myself, Sometimes it's going to be just a short little break, run a little errand by yourself or go get a pedicure. But when I would come back from any kind of break, even a couple of times in, in all those years when my kids were little, we would even be able to get, you know, grandparents to babysit for four or five days and go on a trip just like me and my husband. And I would think, oh, this for sure is going to just take care of me in so many ways and fill me all up. And when I get home, my reservoir of like good mom is just going to be filled to the top and overflowing. And like Jesse is going to be so taken care of from getting this break that I'm going to just 
be able to be the mom I want to be. And I would always be so shocked and surprised and disappointed and sad that when I would get back from that trip, I would just feel the way I felt before. Now, you know, usually I had a good few hours or even like a day where I would remind myself like, remember, you just got that break. You know, you don't need a break anymore. You're, you're ready. You're ready to parent your kids and you're ready to just be an awesome mom. But I was amazed at how quickly I would just be like, oh, these kids are driving me crazy. I need a break. And that thought would just come back again. And so the way we know that doesn't work, and that's kind of what I was just talking about with there's never enough actions that you can take to create the feelings that you're seeking for is because I would just bring my thoughts with me. My The thing that made me feel so trapped or needing a break or exhausted were my thoughts, not my kids. My kids are all in the sea line. Everything going on with my life and my responsibilities and all of that is all in the sea line. And my thoughts are what are exhausting me. My thoughts are what are causing me to feel very impatient. And so even though I would go get that lovely break and come back, my thoughts would still be there. My thought of this is too much. I need a break. They're driving me crazy. I, you know, I hate mopping floors. Whatever the thoughts were that made me think I needed a break from my life. And so now I still even have a lot of those thoughts at times, but I know exactly where they're coming from. I know what feeling they create for me. And I know when I'm thinking that I need something big in my action line to feel better, I'm able to flip that around and say, no, when I clean up the way I'm thinking about my life, my life is way less exhausting for me, way less feeling like a trap. I mean, trap is a strong word, but I don't need a break. I don't need such a break from my life when I start by cleaning up the way I'm thinking about it. And then here's the beautiful thing. And then I go do the self-care actions from a way cleaner place in my mind of like, this is just going to be fun and enjoyable. And when I come back, I'll just keep managing my mind. I'm not, this isn't, this isn't, this doesn't solve anything. This doesn't cure anything. My thoughts are always what are creating my feelings. And I'll just go enjoy this break or this pedicure or this bubble bath or this nap, whatever it is that I'm doing in the action line to take care of myself and give myself a break. I don't tell myself that story anymore that this is the thing that's going to make me think and feel better and be a better mom. Instead, I just say, and then I'll go back to managing my mind and working on the mom I want to be. It feels so good. It feels so good to understand that sequence and stop disappointing myself and stop thinking like, why didn't that break give me what I needed, create the feeling I was wanting to feel, you know? One thing I've noticed about self-care actions are that we're wanting to believe that we're a priority, that we're important. And when we take those actions, we do feel better, especially right in the moment. And we tend to think like, see, I'm a priority in my own life. See, I'm taking good care of myself. See, I'm important. And it creates this new model. And that's one reason why taking self-care actions can make us feel so good. But I have found that it just doesn't last. That's the problem. In the moment, we have permission to believe those things, believe that we're important. But then we go back to our normal life, our normal responsibilities, the daily grind. And our old thoughts come back up of like, I shouldn't have to do this. This is too much. I'm not important. Uh, What I want doesn't matter. I'm not a priority. I don't know what your thoughts are, but from what I know of my own thoughts and what I hear from working with my clients, those are the kinds of thoughts that can come up for women and particularly mothers. But even if you don't have kids, I know a lot of people will even think thoughts like that. Like, what about me? So when we bring the cupcake concept into this, working on self-care from a place of uh, starting with our thoughts and our feelings, improving the relationship we have with ourselves, improving the environment that is going on in our minds, being more comfortable with ourselves and getting on like the same page 
all of that is how we build up our self-care cupcake. It's by taking care of that relationship and, and that part of like your mental health. And then all of the self-care actions that we are used to thinking about for self-care is the delicious frosting on top. And that's why both aspects are so enjoyable and so important. But when all we have is a pile of frosting and we're missing the cupcake because we've ignored our thoughts and our feelings about ourselves, about our identity, about all of that, that is why the the frosting just washes away and we're back to, I need a break again. I'm desperate for it, right? So Another reason this can feel so urgent when we're not taking care of our cupcake is because if we mistakenly believe that the actions that we take to take care of our self-care represent the cupcake, which they don't, but we we sort of trick ourselves into thinking that they do, then when those actions aren't available, like maybe you don't have it in the budget to go do some of these things. Maybe you don't have the time or a babysitter, particularly during deployments when you don't have your partner to like help out with the children so that you can take a little time for yourself. Sometimes our circumstances prevent us from having a lot of opportunities or options when it comes to these self-care actions. I mean, some of them, the small and free and at-home ones are pretty much always available to us, like maybe meditating or yoga or naps. Those are pretty much always available. But in when we're in this story, we often think like if I could just get a, like a bigger break, a bigger action, something that costs money, but then I don't have the money, something that requires childcare, but I don't have the childcare. Like we quickly walk ourselves into this corner because we're currently mistakenly believing that the actions are what's going to create the, the cupcake. And so when those, when, this, when our circumstances prevent us from taking a lot of those actions, that's when it feels like a desperate emergency. If it's a part of our identity as a mother, as a wife, as a woman, and we can't do it, then it's a huge problem. Where when we clean up the way we're thinking about it and we know that everything that has to do with the cupcake takes place in our mind, and our mind is always available to us. And then all of the actions are just the delicious bonus frosting, and we're good either way. We need the cupcake. We want the frosting. We're okay even if we have little to no frosting at times in our lives. And that comes back to the seasons thing. There's going to be seasons in your life where your self-care looks like this. And then there's going to be seasons in your life where it looks like this and it changes. And we're going to have seasons in our life where we have very little frosting. And then there's seasons in our life where we have tons of frosting. And both are fine. We can do both. Okay, another thing that I want you to take a look at is... Why do things get in the way when you schedule your self-care actions? Often when we visit this subject, we make new plans and goals for how we're going to regularly get a pedicure, regularly take baths, regularly read, regularly take naps, whatever it is on the action line that we love to do for our self-care. And we get it scheduled and we make plans and we set, we set goals for how we're going to make sure those things really happen. And then things come up, things get in the way, and the actions often will get pushed back and back until they're either happening way less frequently than we're wanting them to happen or they're completely, some of them may be completely not even happening. And that's when our thoughts really ramp up of like, see, I'm not even doing that. I'm not even taking care of myself in that way. I'm not, I thought I want to be the priority, but I'm not. What I want should matter, but right now it doesn't. And then those, those kinds of thoughts really make our cupcake struggle. When we're in these kinds of moments, we're often looking for evidence of how we're not taking care of ourselves and how we're not getting what we need, particularly when we're looking outside of ourselves to get what we need, when we're looking for other people to provide that opportunity for us or to invite us to do the thing or to treat us or to take care of the kids so we can go do it. We're looking for outside people to make it happen. And that that can happen very easily too. 
So we're on the lookout for this evidence. And here's a coaching example that I heard recently that I thought was such a good example of this. A woman had a plan to brush her teeth every morning uh, right when she first woke up. And there would be some mornings that she would miss it and realize at like 10 a.m., oh, I never brushed my teeth. And then she'd run in and brush her teeth. And she was even using that as an example of her not getting what she needed. Even just brushing her teeth, which brushing your teeth is awesome. It feels so good and great to do it. Great for hygiene, great for all the things. But when she's on the lookout for how she's not getting what she needs, everything becomes an example of that rather than just, oh, most mornings I brush my teeth at 6 a.m. And occasionally I forget or something comes up where I miss it. And then I brush my teeth at 10 a.m. And that's all that needs to mean. That doesn't need to be evidence of how you aren't getting what you need or you aren't taking good care of yourself. I think another really awesome purpose of looking at self-care in this way by starting with the thoughts is that one of the purposes of self-care is to get to know yourself again. If you're in a place where you feel a little disconnected from yourself, we're often disconnected from ourselves in lots of ways, mentally, spiritually, physically. And this is a perfect opportunity and invitation to get to know yourself again, to identify what you enjoy, what's exciting to you, what you're passionate about. And it's also about getting to know yourself, like getting to know your thoughts, what you like to think about and what you think about yourself and what you want to think about yourself. I want you to pay attention to yourself, listen to yourself, understand yourself, appreciate yourself, hear yourself and honor yourself. Who are you? Practice describing yourself as if you were describing it to someone else. It's never going to be the things that you do that define you. It's your relationship with yourself, what you give yourself permission to believe, what you decide to spend your time thinking about. And like I mentioned earlier, one of my favorite parts of all of this, understanding all of this, is that the self-care actions come even more easily and more naturally and more regularly when you have started with the cupcake, when you improve your relationship with yourself first. Another thing that comes when you start with the cupcake and you know that all of the actions are frosting is that you have a more appropriate and realistic expectations of what self-care actions will do for you and what, what you need and what they need to look like. And that is always a good thing. I want you to ask yourself, how well are you cared for by yourself? And remember that being cared for by other people, while it's nice, is always going to be frosting. The cupcake is our responsibility and we're the best ones to take care of it. I want you to think about putting yourself first in your day, honoring what you want, not just filling your day with obligations, processing your own emotions, feeling genuinely grateful for your life, practicing being on a daily basis the person you want to become, making hard decisions, being intentional with your thoughts and feelings, and always being the one to take care of your mental and emotional health. To me, this is the essence of self-care. This is how we start with the cupcake. This is how we have our own back and take care of ourselves first. And the actions come second. Okay, I'm ready to read my blog post to you. So the title of this blog post on bravecrates.com is Five Self-Care Tips for Deployments That No One Is Talking About. One of my favorite things to do when I want to treat myself is to go get a pedicure. I love having pretty toes and I love when someone else does it. There's nothing better than sitting in a massage chair, sipping Diet Coke, listening to my favorite podcast while someone cleans up my feet, massages me, and paints my nails. I always get the pretty decorative flower on my big toes. I used to think this was the ultimate in self-care, but now I know better. Self-care can be a buzzword these days. We hear about it a lot. On top of that, we're told that self-care is so important, especially during stressful times like deployments. When the buck stops here, when it comes to all the responsibilities in our lives, like it does during deployment, 
that is a critical time to be taking very good care of yourself. But we tend to have one of two problems or sometimes both when it comes to self-care during deployment. Problem number one, when we are stressed and overwhelmed, like we tend to be during deployments, the things we typically do for self-care tend to drop off our to-do list first. Problem number two, even when we make time for what we believe is self-care, examples, pedicures, yoga, meditation, bubble baths, girls' nights out, we feel better for a short amount of time and then the stress and the overwhelm come right back. So what is the solution? Understanding what true self-care is. The true source of what makes us feel better in a lasting way is when we focus on our relationship with ourselves, which consists of the way we think about ourselves, talk to ourselves, and have our back especially on the days when we are struggling and when we make mistakes. The good news is when you focus on this version of self-care and improve the way you experience it, the way you used to do self-care will happen more easily and naturally, and you'll enjoy it more. All of the self-care activities that I mentioned before are amazing, and you should definitely do them. Having a Brave Create subscription sets you up for success in this area. But they should always be bonus on top of the foundation of self-care that you take care of when you strengthen your relationship with yourself. So here are the five self-care tips for deployment that no one is talking about. Number one, work to improve the opinion you have of yourself. What is the opinion you have of yourself? What is the story you tell yourself or other people about who you are? We tend to be pretty harsh critics of ourselves. Think of someone that is really important to you, that you admire, that you think highly of. When someone asks you about this person, think of the way you describe them to other people. Now even ask yourself what you think about this person's weaknesses or when they make mistakes. Is this even close to the way you talk about yourself? Notice how easily you give yourself permission to think highly of others, but how little time you spend thinking of yourself in this way. So how do we work on this? Start by observing yourself and getting awareness of where you currently are. Then think of the way you think of that friend you admire. Now you know where you are and where you want to go. This works like a GPS. Now you have all the information you need to get there. Give yourself tons of grace and understanding as you slowly and patiently make small adjustments on your journey to think more highly of yourself. Number two, listen to yourself. Reassure yourself and answer the questions you ask yourself. Our mind is offering us thoughts, ideas, questions, and concerns all day long. Without realizing it, we let these thoughts wreak havoc and these questions go unanswered in our minds. This affects the way we think about ourselves and the way we feel about ourselves. The way we improve in this area is start listening to ourselves. The way we listen to a small child who is complaining or afraid. We wouldn't ignore or dismiss the child and we shouldn't do that to ourselves either. But we also don't necessarily indulge in doing everything the child wants and our brain needs us to limit it in the same way. Another thing that really helps is when you notice how often your brain asks questions and they go unanswered. Unanswered questions lead to our brain spinning and can be exhausting. Start answering the questions your brain asks with what you know to be true. Again, use the small child analogy and answer the questions you ask yourself as you would reassure a child. Number three, practice treating yourself well even after making a mistake. While the goal is to do things right and well, we are all human and make mistakes. We have bad days and weaknesses, and sometimes our best doesn't look that great. Since we are more comfortable with doing things right, we tend to think that it's bad when we do things wrong. We also tend to be very hard on ourselves and fight to get back to the part of our lives where we're doing it all right again. What if I were to tell you that the way you treat yourself when you mess up is everything when it comes to success in this area of improving your relationship with yourself? Give yourself tons of space and grace. Learn to accept your humanness. Be kind to yourself always, but especially on the days you make mistakes. One of my favorite thoughts to offer myself in these moments is, turns out I'm human. 
This really helps me have appropriate expectations for myself. Amazingly enough, being kind to yourself will get you back on track faster than being hard on yourself. Try it out. You'll see. Number four, give the positive and negative equal airtime. You've heard the advice balance in all things. Well, because our brain has a negative bias, if we're not intentional about it, we get out of balance when it comes to the negative and positive things going into our minds. Since you're human, you're never going to stop having the urge to be hard on yourself or critical of yourself or easily remembering your faults and flaws and weaknesses. But it can go a long way if you just seek to give the good and the bad equal airtime. Do what it takes to achieve that balance again. Try this. Say at least as many nice things to yourself as you say critical things. Spend at least as much time thinking about the possibility that you'll do a good job as you do that you might fail. Spend as much time thanking yourself, noticing yourself, appreciating yourself, loving yourself as you find yourself seeking these things from other people. When you're guessing what other people think about you, and it's always a guess by the way, give equal airtime to the possibility that they like you as you do the possibility that they don't. Remember that what you focus on grows. Our brain has this incredible filter. Whatever you ask it to look for, it will find and it will filter out or ignore the rest. If we let our brain run on default, we tend to ask it to look for negative things about ourselves, not realizing that we're in charge of setting what it's searching for. Try asking your brain to look for what you do right, what people like about you, what your strengths are. Wait until you are enjoying the fruits of this search. Your brain is an expert evidence finder, and once you task it to look for evidence of positive things about you, you'll never look back. Enjoy. Number five, pay attention to the words that you are using with yourself. Your words are important. The ones you choose to use when you talk to yourself and describe yourself matter. Your relationship with yourself is made up of what you think about yourself and the way you talk to yourself, and those things are made up of your words. Start paying better attention to the words you use. You may not think it's a big deal to call yourself or something you did stupid, but it is. Would you tell a small child or your best friend that they are stupid, or that the mistake they made was stupid, or that their idea was stupid, or that the thing they are worried about is stupid? You wouldn't. The child would learn about themselves through the way you speak to them, and we do this with ourselves too. Try switching out these harsher words for more friendly, forgiving words. Instead of saying, that was stupid, try saying, that was silly, or interesting, or weird, or unhelpful. Instead of saying, I look disgusting, try saying, I'm working on accepting myself for who I am today. Instead of saying, I'll never figure this out, watch out for those superlatives, like always and never. Try saying, I haven't figured it out yet and that's okay. Instead of saying, it's ridiculous that I'm worried about this, try saying something like, it's okay that I'm worried about this, but I'm just going to keep going anyway. To wrap up, the five self-care tips for deployment that no one is talking about are work to improve the opinion you have of yourself. Listen to yourself, reassure yourself, and answer the questions you ask yourself. Practice treating yourself well even after making a mistake. Give the positive and negative equal airtime and pay attention to the words that you are using with yourself. If you're working on your self-care during a deployment, the best news of all about these tips is that all of this takes place in your mind. No babysitter needed, but treat yourself to kid-free time on a regular basis. No setting aside special time to work on this needed. It can be done simultaneously to all of the things you need to be doing. Now that you understand your brain a little better, you are more aware of what you are thinking of yourself and you know some specific things you can do to start improving the relationship you have with yourself. Now it's time to go get a pedicure from that headspace, all the while knowing that the pedicure isn't what makes you feel good about yourself. Your thoughts about yourself do. This is the self-care that lasts. So I hope you guys enjoyed that blog post. I think that it's a great way to break it down and work on it. And it gives you some really actionable items and places to start, which is always what we need. I want to point out that 
I did my best not to use a lot of coaching words in this blog post because my audience doesn't totally understand those words. So I didn't say, you know, the cupcake concept or I didn't talk at all about the model, right? I tried to talk about it in very just regular everyday types of words so that it could be easily understood by anybody who was reading it. So that is what I have for you guys today. Are you ready to take what you are learning here to the next level? Then join me in resiliency training. This is my monthly coaching program that includes a private session with me each month along with weekly content and individual email support. Start anytime for just $100 a month and continue at that rate as desired with no obligation. We can all use a little bit of help sometimes to get through the challenges of military life and that's exactly the boost this program will give you. Sign up on my website, simplyresilient.net. I can't wait to work with you.